Hi, this is Michelle Weidenbenner, your Chief Hope Builder. If you are here, it's because you have a loved one with a substance use disorder and you're looking for support. Well, you're in the right place because I help you along your journey um, to, to introduce you to different people, different experts in the field, and to share hope with you because so often we get stuck and don't know how to live our lives without trying to fix our addicted loved ones. So I am the author of Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery. And recently I will be launching Unhackable Moms of Addicted Loved Ones, Closing the Gap Between Havoc and Hope. This is a 30-day program that can help you go from havoc to hope and learn how to take charge of your own life. Think of it as a leadership book for moms who are in the same situation that I've been in and out of for so many years. Um, Please find my books at Amazon or anywhere that they are sold. If you would like to join us in a private Facebook group, you can find us at Moms Letting Go in Facebook. And um, if you'd like to join us in the tribe for more sisterhood and support, just go to Teachable. That's momslettinggo.teachable.com and find us there. But regardless, you're in the right place right now and we want to encourage you on your hope journey. We want to be here for you. Um, I have a group of care team members who are all where you have been or are today. So we want the best for you. God bless. Thank you and welcome. So let's start where we left off in the book, Mom's Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery. We're only in step three. I went through the beginning of that, oh, a few weeks ago. And it's time to go through the second part of this day of, of day or step, the second part of the step, which is step three, breaking out. It's all about your inner dialogue. And sometimes those things that we say to ourselves have such an impact. We don't even realize it, but majority of people have more negative self-talk than positive self-talk. So we're going to um, just start on page 33. Whose addiction is it? Uh, again, I'm just going through the book um, just to kind of reinforce the book and maybe just be so you can listen on the go, right? And and kind of think about these things. But whose addiction is it? Stop for a minute and think. What if you're addicted to you? Addicted to thinking, obsessing, and worrying about your addicted loved one. Is that possible? Well, sometimes we don't even realize how often we think about it. Um, I used to be addicted to watching fine friends so I could see where my, my grandchildren were. Were they safe? Where are their parents? And um, almost to the point where I couldn't even have a conversation with somebody without looking. Or I couldn't go to bed without my phone being turned on, right? I was addicted. I was addicted. And what happens to your body is your adrenaline spikes every time there's a little bit of trauma or trigger. And after a while, your body starts getting used to that adrenaline rush. Even though it's a negative thing, 
your body starts looking for it. And so when you're calm and when things are just going great and you're able to relax, you don't feel right because you're like, wait, something's missing. You're, you know, you're always on alert, like something's going to happen. So I understand. But you think your addicted loved one's addiction problem is his and you want to help, but maybe you need to think differently. What if you had an addiction? I know it sounds crazy and I don't want to offend you, but I want to help you. In her book, Loving What Is, Four Questions That Can Change Your Life by Byron Katie, she says, a thought is harmless unless we believe it. It's not our thoughts, but the attachment to our thoughts that causes suffering. Attaching to a thought means believing that it's true without inquiring. A belief is a thought that we've been attaching to often for years. This is from um, Byron Katie's book on page five. Again, it's loving what is, four questions that can change your life. And I have studied these questions. I talk about them here in this day or in this step. But um, we do this in our support groups. So sometimes we have that thought that, oh my goodness, my loved one is using again. They are having a reoccurrence. And we, I will challenge a mom in that and say, is it true? Do you know it to be absolutely positively true? Hmm. Anyway, okay, let me, con- let me keep going. Consider your thoughts. Do they play like a movie over and over in your head? Maybe your thoughts sound a little like some of mine have in the past and currently. He will overdose and die if I don't help him to see what he's doing. If I buy him a place to stay, maybe he'll be able to cope better and feel better so he'll stop using. Maybe if I buy him a car to get around, to get to a job, he'll have more opportunities. Maybe if I let him stay here and live with me, he can get on his feet and eventually be living on his own. Maybe if I take care of his kids for a while, he'll be able to get on his feet. If I don't take care of my grandkids, their lives will be in danger. This is where I was stuck for a long time. Still go back to that. He just had a bad day. Tomorrow will be better. A lot of pain you're dealing with stems from your thoughts, and they are only thoughts. If you look deeply at each one and ask, can I prove that to be true? you might be surprised to find that, no, your thoughts can't be proven true. When you realize your thoughts might not be true, why give them power? If you take control of your thoughts, you can find peace. I was sitting next to somebody last week at a recovery uh, industrial um, workshop here in our community um, for the workplace, for human resource personnel, and to really look into hiring more felon-friendly type of employees. Um, And anyway, I was sitting next to this woman. I was talking about worrying, you know, and how we worry. And sometimes I worry about my grandkids. And she said, worry is control. And I just stopped and I looked at her and I started laughing. I said, busted. I'm totally busted, right? Like, if you think if I am worrying, that is just leading me to wanting to control a situation it might stop you in your tracks. Like, okay, what am I, what is it that I'm trying to control in this moment? And why can't I let go of that and have faith? Right? Oh, is it hard? It's so hard because it's like, hello, God, are you there? 
Yoo-hoo! <laughs> I mean, sometimes we just don't feel his presence. Okay, I, re- I recommend reading Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is. You can go, um, you can go to www.thework.com. She's got more helpful tools there. But her four questions are referred to as the work. And it's your work. It's the work that you have to do to become healthier. <laughs> so it's, the work is easy to implement and it'll teach you how to turn your thoughts around. If you turn your thoughts around, you will be led to a more joy-filled life. I promise. So the four questions, da, 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 these are the four questions. Big, big reveal here. One, is it true? So as you're sitting there pondering in your thoughts, is it true? Two, can you absolutely know that it's true? Three, how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And four, who would you be without that thought? Okay, I'm going to stop here and give you an example. Okay, let's think of a thought. Um, all right, let's just say, I didn't, you know, I asked my son, I texted him yesterday and I didn't hear back. So my mind could go here. Oh my gosh, he's using again, right? So the first question, is it true? Hmm, I don't know that, do I? Two, can you absolutely know that it's true? No. Now, he could be sleeping because he drives a truck and sometimes he works, he drives all night and he sleeps during the day. It could be that his phone died and it isn't charged. It could be that he's in the store and he can't get signal, right? We don't know why he's not returning my text. Three, how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? Okay, if I start believing that Ryan has had a reoccurrence, what happens to me? My heart races. My palms get sweaty. I hear an ambulance and I think, oh my goodness, did he overdose? Um, are the girls there? Are they witnessing something they shouldn't? Do you see how in just two minutes, I can lead myself down a path that has my son dead? Yeah. Just like that, and he's three and a half years into recovery. So here's my point, moms, is or dads, but my point is that as long as we have these thoughts and we let them get the best of us, um, you know, it we're not sitting in a healthy place at all. Who would I be? The fourth question, who would I be without that thought? Who would I be? Okay, if I didn't have that thought. Where would my thoughts be? Well, if I was on the pickleball court, I'd be in the point. And I'd be trying to win the point, And I would be thinking about nothing but the point, And I would be laughing, right? I would be finding joy in something. So now let's move on to the two. It says, let's complete a two-part exercise. And at the end, we'll apply the four questions to a sample response. Part one, identify the thoughts that are causing your stress, and write them down. Well, obviously, if you're driving, you can't write them down, right? I mean, um, you could verbalize them, but you could think about it too. Just don't 
you know, wreck the car. <laughs> so just pay attention to where you're going. But um, what is causing you the stress? And just write those down. List them if you want. It doesn't even have to be um, written well. You can have misspelled words. But just write all those things down. Um, don't hold back. No, no one's going to read this or judge you. And you can use simple, short sentences. Um, don't be tempted to do this in your head, though, instead of writing it down. Sit with the paper and pen when you can and let the words just spill on the page because there's power in seeing your words. You got to trust me with that. When your son or daughter is in in active addiction and you're sitting on the sidelines watching, you can be frightened out of your mind and lost inside your mind's chaos. But when you enter the work zone, it's possible to find order and peace. You'll learn how to find your way back home. So Katie says, when you do the work, you see who you are by seeing who you think other people are. Eventually, you come to see that everything outside you reflects your own thinking. You are the storyteller, the projector of all stories, and the world is the projected image of your thoughts. So instead of trying to change your addicted loved one, you must look inward. How can you change yourself? And in this case, it starts with your thoughts. Learn to change the direction of your thoughts and you can find peace. Part two, considering all the thoughts and stressors you identify in part one, complete the following. So in this part, you've already completed part one, list how your addicted loved one angers, confuses, saddens, or disappoints you, and why. Write what upsets you the most about their situation. What is that? What is that? Um, I guess speaking from my experience, I think, you know, I'm just, you think of all the dreams. You, when you dreamt about your children, your child, your children growing up, you had this vision of who they would become. And where they are right now, you never saw that coming. You couldn't have imagined it. No parent ever wants to see it, but you just couldn't have imagined it because your child was probably fun and creative and outgoing and confident. And even if they weren't those things, you never thought that they wouldn't know how to cope, that they would use substances in order to cope. So what is that? You know, go back, part two, And this is A of part two. List how your addicted loved one angers, confuses, saddens, or disappoints you and why. And B, how do you want this person to change? What do you want him or her to do? If you were this person, how would you want you to change? List what you want him or her to do, no matter how childish your wants are. Wow. Wow, how would I want my child to change, right? Oh, I just wish he was more confident. He had self-esteem, how he was organized. And then I think, well, he has gotten really organized, hasn't he? See, what advice would you offer your child? 
What advice? Make your advice specific, practical, and detailed. Articulate the steps how he or she should carry out your advice. Would this advice solve your problems in A? So remember, this is part, this is part two, but it's C. And A was list how your loved one angers, confuses, saddens. So in, in Ryan's case, maybe I would say, oh, um, it, it saddens me to see that he has to travel oh, five or six days a week in his truck to make ends meet because he's not establishing a bond, a better relationship with his daughters. So what advice would I offer him? Well, I'd want him to get a local job, right? I'd want him to get a job where he was home every night. But if I make that specific, practical, and detailed, oh my goodness, you know, I come up with all kinds of solutions. Like there's a felon-friendly company in our town who would probably take him under their wing and teach him how the HVAC system, he's very mechanical, but you know, he could learn that, right? And then articulate the steps, how he should carry out your advice. Well, you know, I I could come up with all kinds of scenarios, right? Maybe it's because I'm a creative writer too. I can just imagine what those would be. Would this advice solve your problem? So if he became an HVAC, you know, would would that solve my worry? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it would, right? And and I've come I've come to the part the point in my recovery where I realize I wouldn't want him to do what I want because this is his life. And I'm not his Holy Spirit and God is has him on a journey. He's going to learn and meet people along the way that's going to shape who he is. So um, I don't think any advice I would give him would solve my worry, right? D, for you to be happy in the situation, what do you need your addicted loved one to think, say, feel, or do? If your loved one took your advice, would that take you all the way to your happy place and stop your pain? Wow, think about that. So what are you hoping for? So if your loved one got well and never used a substance again, got a good job and was happy and all that, would would that take away all your worry and pain? I don't think so. We will always find something to worry about. Although I do have to say my other two girls, uh, my other two children, well, they happen to be girls, I don't have the same amount of pain and worry with them. So who would you be without this thought? Like, if you're not worried about your other children, is there a way that you can release the worry with this children? And what is that, this child, and what does that look like? And then E, what do you think of your addicted loved one in this situation? Make a list. Feel feel free to be petty and judgmental. Yeah, I don't think this would be a list for you to show your loved one either because it's personal and this is this is just doing the work it's not it's it's working on you it's not something that you're trying to do to fix your child and f what is it about this situation that you don't want to experience again what is it 
what don't you want to experience again? We don't want to experience our, our seeing our children near dead. For some of you, you have witnessed that, right? Some of you are still seeing your loved ones so emaciated and just beyond good health that it's you you just it's trauma. You don't want to experience that again. You don't want to see that again. You want to see them healthy and surviving. And and you want a relationship with them. What would that relationship look like even if they were where they are today? Can you just meet them where they are and establish common ground and accept them for where they are and who they are right now? Can you do that? I know it's hard because you want more for him. You want more for her. You don't want to see them living on the streets. I get it. Write it all down. What is it about the situation that you don't want to experience? Now, let's use Katie's The Work questions to evaluate one of the most common thoughts moms of addicted loved ones have. My son or daughter will die from this disease. Question one, is it true? Yes, it seems that way. People are dying every day, more and more, right? Two, can you absolutely know that it's true? No, because there are those who recover and live a sober life. Question three, how do you react? What happens when you believe that specific thought? When I believe my child will die, I can't breathe. I think I must save him now. There has to be something I can do. Question four, who would you be without this thought? Oh my, if I didn't have this thought controlling my life, I could breathe and sleep and smile. Apply these questions to some of your responses in the exercise. I didn't describe the work in depth the way Byron Katie does in her book. But if this process intrigues you like it did me, consider reading her book. No one is responsible for your suffering except for you. And I'm going to add one more thing that's not in my book here. When we... Our lives are never improved by the suffering of others, right? You know that. But not until we can get to the root, we can hear the root of all conflicts, will we be able to give love and find peace. So if that is true, how are you going to just be present and listen and connect and understand why your loved one is struggling. What about just sitting with them and finding out what that is? Let them purge. Let them just tell you how they feel without you thinking you have to fix it. If you think that something or someone is the cause for your problems, your situation will feel hopeless. You will be the victim. But when you bring truth to the forefront, like I did in the example exercises, you will begin to set yourself free. How are you showing yourself compassion when you play the video in your head repeatedly with a thought that torments you? You aren't. You replay this video because you can't control your own thinking. Many of us aren't even aware of our obsessive thoughts. 
I'm not a mind reader, are you? Yet we often think we know what someone else is thinking or doing, especially when it's negative. All we can do is turn our thoughts around. It's our thoughts versus facts that are the source of so much of our stress. Our thoughts are often the reason we aren't coping well. Once those negative thoughts are brought into the open, we can analyze them to determine if they are true. If you want to break out and take control of your life, keep going and reach up to the next chapter. And that concludes this part, this step three in the book. And next time I will, I will discuss step four, which is reaching up for a new leaf on life, creating the plan. We need a plan for you moms. We do because there are, there are reasons, there are things, there's an epidemic that we have to be able to fight. And if we're stuck in the weeds and we're just wallowing in um, worry, we're not empowering anybody. We're not helping humanity, right? So here I am, your chief hope builder. I got to build hope in your life so that you can break free from this feeling that you can't do anything for your loved one because what you can do is work on you. And I always say, you know, the, the way for your child to have hope is through watching you recover. God bless. Until next time. Take care.